Good afternoon. My name is Ash, and I will be your conference operator today. Welcome to Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies' series about the latest developments in politics and policy in D.C. Our call today will be moderated by Blake Rutherford, a member of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Our speakers are Howard Schweitzer, Managing Partner, and Mark Alderman, Chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. This recording will also be available after the call on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for Cozen O'Connor. For any questions, please email presidentialanalysis at cozen.com. Thank you very much, and thanks to everyone who has joined our call today. My name is Blake Rutherford, and as always, I am joined by Mark Alderman, the Chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and Howard Schweitzer, the Managing Partner of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Gentlemen, welcome back to the Beltway Briefing. Thank you, Blake. Blake. It is a, uh, it's a cloudy day in, in, in Washington, D.C., and I, I mean that in, in all facets of, uh, of life, but, but in particular the weather. Uh, Mark, I want to I want to start our conversation today as as we always do with uh, with the the state of play because there has been since our last our last call so many developments so many things happen. We were talking before uh, we got on the call about just the the kind of sheer rapidity of events that 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 the public um, is is almost forced to ingest and then try and make sense of. And, and even before you can make sense of much, uh, something else has happened. And I don't mean positive or negative. We've, we've experienced national tragedy in the time that we've talked. We've experienced weather-related tragedy in, in the South. So there's just a lot that folks are having to deal with. Um, but be that as it may, um, uh, Congress is back. Business is happening in, in the district today where we all are. So Tell me, uh, tell me what I need to need to be thinking about. Well, business is happening. You say, although I'm not so sure that's right. <laughs> okay. Because Congress <laughs> is back. What they're doing is uh, is a little unclear. I think the most interesting Beltway question for the next little while is going to be what, if anything, happens with gun control. I think that. We've had a storm of events uh, starting two weeks ago, maybe, with Stormy Daniels herself and Rob Porter and more. But obviously, the the Parkland massacre is the pivotal event of recent weeks, and these kids down there are are so impressive and so inspiring. And we'll see. We'll see. I think what we need to see is whether in the age of Trump, where events come and go with a stunning velocity, whether this endures. We'll see if Congress, in fact, ends up doing anything between now and November on, on guns. I think that's the, the question du jour. Well, and I want to come back to that, but more on a macro level, Howard, what's what's happening in the wide, wonderful world of politics? Well, I think everybody's focused politically on on the midterms. And, and all of this happens, whether you're talking about the immigration debate or you're talking about the critically important debate about gun control. We're doing so against the backdrop of an election that 
is 250 odd days away and and that's what that's the context in which all this is is taking place yeah i think that is exactly right and i think that is the context in which for example the gun debate is taking place mm -hmm. i i wish right. i just want to say i feel uh, that i'm at an unfair advantage i wish we had a video phone howard has several pages of printed no, material no 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 handwritten notes uh, a journal I, of some kind I, I have an empty note card, but well, we'll see who wins. Well, no one. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. We'll see whether 5 a.m. preparation uh, pays off on my folded-up piece of paper or your blank note card, Mark. I asked Caitlin to tell me what to say, and I ended up with an empty <laughs> note card. You'll be, you will be fine, Mark. Uh, you 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 will be just fine. I do want to I do want to come back to to the to the gun control issue because. Um, Certainly, uh, as we previewed the the agenda for 2018 many months ago, gun control was was not an issue. It is it is of course now a national issue. The question is how long will it will it be a national issue? The question you raised, Mark. Um, you know whether it's the you know boycott NRA hashtag, whether it's these companies um, who've had partnerships who are who are saying, you know, I no longer want to be a part of it, whether it is Wall Street, which is now a big story in the Washington Post today about about <coughs> Wall Street's approach to 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 um to sort of the the gun manufacturing slash NRA universe. And then the you know the notion of you know don't 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 mess with the don't mess with the students who have who managed to orchestrate a national march and uh, who have been, I think, incredibly articulate on TV, um, but uh, but this is this is a very delicate political issue if you cast it in the context of the midterms. So, what do you think? I mean, the, the the question has been, I've seen it asked here and elsewhere, which is, will this one have staying power? Will will it will it lead? Does it necessarily need to lead to anything from the Congress to be to be impactful? Do you think? Ultimately, yes, but in the intermediate run, probably not. It can be impactful if it continues the cultural change that it feels like we are experiencing. Many issues, gay marriage most, uh, most recently is an example of this, many issues are decided in the culture before the laws change. Congress lags the culture, not the other way around. And that may be this. This moment may shift the culture to a support of all sorts of gun control measures that then will take time to push through the various systems. You have state legislatures, you have municipalities for that matter, and, and ultimately you have Congress. My expectation is that nothing dramatic will in fact happen in Congress in the next 200 however many days Howard said it is until the election. But that doesn't mean that this isn't important and enduring. Something's going to happen, um, I think. In, in Florida, there's legislation pending and Rick Scott's behind it that would impose stricter gun control measures. That's, that's significant. Um, the president has yeah. said that he's in favor yeah. of of 
you know, enhanced background checks. His son was on television who said raising the age to 21 was, sounded good to him. Look, love him or hate him, Donald Trump is a walking pole. He, is a, he has his finger on the pulse of the, what moves people, of the culture, Mark. He has his finger on the pulse of the culture, and he is pushing some of this stuff. Is, is anything dramatic going to happen? There's going to be some legislation. Some legislation. Enhanced background checks are a step in the right direction. If you get something like the Toomey Mansion legislation that passed the Senate a couple of years ago, died in the House, if you get something like that, that's better than nothing. It isn't, I don't think, uh, sufficiently honoring the, the gravity of the situation and the commitment of these high school kids, but but it is something Trump is a walking pole. That's a very poetic and accurate way to characterize him. But he's torn between uh, where the culture is going and his base, which which isn't quite there yet. So yeah, but the numbers are moving big time on the Republican side as far as support for gun control. I mean, they've that changed dramatically. Checks. Right. Right. And I think that underscores. I mean, again, there. I mean, the. I think the the contrast, if you will, go back to Florida Howard. Mm-hmm. I mean, the contrast of Marco Rubio's appearance at the CNN town hall versus Rick Scott's press conference, yeah. where he did come out, yeah, and and articulate, um, you know, the, the need for some measure of control. And Florida is a pretty interesting state if you look at the way their their legal structure is set up. There's a deep dive in the mm-hmm. New Yorker. Um, about uh, you know about that issue that I would encourage people to take a look at. But then also over the weekend, you saw other governors who Asa Hutchinson, the governor of Arkansas, was on Face the Nation talking about talking about reforms and 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 I think it, there is how big how sig- I mean how significant in the context of however you define significant. But I do think even in even in you know sort of your blood red state. Yeah. They, there's going to be some movement. Yeah. But but it used to be you couldn't talk about it. Right. And now you can at least talk about it. And I think it's less of an R&D issue and it's less of a Republican-Democrat issue because the Democrats can't afford to uh, make too much of it in those red states where they're running for re-election in the Senate. So there's there's a balance. But to me both on this and on um, the immigration debate, there's kind of a, an awakening of the middle taking place. People don't want um, – people are in this country are, are less um, about the extremes. It, it feels that way to me. People aren't on the extremes right. are less about the extremes. You watch any of the CPAC coverage. Well, that's an extreme. Oh, it's an extreme, and, and that's – the president went there and talked guns uh, and immigration in a way that had nothing to do with the middle, and then otherwise talked about the middle. Oh, no, because this, guns. this country screwed up because the money gets raised on the extremes. Yeah, and that's what the yeah, that's, right. I guarantee you the NRA NRA is raising gobs and gobs of money right now off of. Well, scaring people that their gun rights are being thrown. And their patrons, the gun manufacturers, are selling lots and lots of guns. Yeah. So, But 
I, I think um, immigration and gun control are similar but but different. I think that there is more of a consensus on gun control than on immigration. I think immigration is still in the Republican Party a confusing issue. Not the dreamers, immigration reform uh, at large. And I think the president has just got himself all twisted up on doing something that he has said he wants to, which is keep the dreamers' path to citizenship, but he wants his wall. And how is that any different than the gun debate? Well, there's no trade for the background checks that is being proposed. I, I... I think the president has a greater opportunity to be a positive influence on guns than on immigration. That's all I'm saying. Actually, I mean, I think it's similar on both because he... <laughs> yeah, I don't expect him to be on either, by the way. I want to be clear, but he... Uh, I actually well, do. Well, I, this is I, I, this is the question because we we have seen in every significant legislative development, whether it is failure of health care, the deal, not deal on on immigration, the successful tax reform package, Mm -hmm. the president is kind of the guiding light here. I mean, if he chooses, whether it is by giving a a thumbs up, but I'm going to stay out of it as he did with tax reform and it gets done, whether it is well, I'm for it, then I'm against it, then I'm for it, then I'm against it, as he was on immigration, whatever the, whatever it need be, because I think he's, he's now played such an outsized role in the Republican Party, it's yeah. impossible not, not – if the president doesn't decide to do something on gun control, it seems very difficult that anything would get done. I mean, supposedly he's actively pushing. I mean, that's what I'm hearing, that he's actively pushing for some – Steps because uh, yeah. he thinks that that's where the country is. He's Absolutely got his finger to the wind. And for some steps, I want to come back to what Blake said in a second. I want to point out that he is most actively pushing for arming teachers. Yeah, that's and that's which is, I at least think. I think you may dumb. agree. I think it's dumb. Bad idea. <laughs> She's um, a technical but, term. Yeah, but. That so far is the centerpiece of his uh, program for making See, that's it where, safer. That's where I think you underestimate but, him because I think what that is is a distraction, an intentional distraction. Oh, I think it's worse than intentional distraction. I think it is a cruel and cynical uh, setup so that he had a plan to end school shootings. And if we don't do that, which he knows we're not, when the next one, God forbid, happens, he told you. Oh, come on. That's <laughs> come okay. On. Let's see what come happens on. when the next one comes. That you must have written that down on your blank Art's note card. Art's still empty. <laughs> Art, this is the come guy. On, this is the guy who told the mayor of London that it was his fault that there was a terrorist shooting in London. He warned him and gave him an "I told you so." But what I want to say about what Blake said is the dynamic. I think Blake is is one that is. Very different than recent presidencies. Uh-huh. The president is absolutely the the pivotal person in 
in the life and times of Congress and legislation, but not so much in the sense that he is leading the debate and he is pushing and proposing the measures for Congress to consider. He is the pivotal person because at least the Republican House, and to a degree the Republican Senate, but mostly the Republican House, will not send him something he doesn't want. They don't want to piss him off, and they won't send him something he doesn't want. And in that negative way, the whole debate is shaped by guessing what Donald Trump is interested in. Well, that is my point. I mean, my point is that unlike, of course, the president plays an outside role, but presidents that we've seen in the past are very much, you know, I can come in, we can make a deal, we can work on this. Trump is very different. The House, I think, Mark, we've seen, will not send him something that he doesn't want to sign. Conversely, on this issue, if Trump's willing to absorb some political heat, yeah. if he's willing to do something that um, to push this one forward, I think that's perhaps the only way any measure of gun reform gets done. If he if he says, "Hey, I'm for arming teachers," and if you're not going to bring me an arming teachers, you know, bill, then I'm not helping you out. Then it's a different dynamic. The, the, and I just think that's different than what we've seen. Totally. And the, the Senate. The cynicism, if you want to be cynical, be cynical on a political basis, because and, and there's reason to be. I mean, he knows that the midterm election and the next election are going to be decided in the suburbs that you live in, Mark. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that I don't the, know what con- congressional district I'm in. But. <laughs> that the suburbs but I actually care about this issue. Yeah, absolutely. And so he's going to push this issue as a political matter because he is a walking pole and he has his finger to the wind and he knows where people are. So I think it's more a case that Congress will send him something he wants than Congress won't send him something he doesn't want. I think he has a chance to move the debate forward. Sadly, we're in a position where that has to happen, but I think I he, hope he does. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I let's let's pivot to immigration since you both you mm-hmm. both have, have brought the issue up. Um, Supreme Court um, has determined not to hear um, requests to lift lift stays. Basically, um, well, let me rephrase it differently. The Supreme Court is not weighing in on on the DACA issue. The Lower court's decisions to to stay um, enforcement of President Trump's um, uh, DACA repeal are 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 in place. This, in essence, eliminates the the March deadline, and but only until May. But only right. I was going to say. Um, so it gives it gives um, at least a, a where we felt like we were. Um, really under the gun in terms of trying to find a solution. Um, little, little more time, Mark. What do you make of what do you make of the court's decision and then the, the practical implications of it? Well, I think the court's decision is uh, procedural. I, I don't think it was intended to be a rejection of the the president. I think. Of course not. It, well, that has happened in history, but that wasn't this. This this was... They tried to leapfrog the Ninth Circuit, yeah, and the court said, you're not leapfrogging the Ninth Circuit. It was the court taking care of its own house. This was court yeah. housekeeping. It took care of its own house. 
And therefore, it will be back. It will be back. It isn't off the docket forever. But more time is more time. And and more time, I think, is is promising. Although, where where it takes the pressure off the Democrats to continue to agitate on the issue legislatively right now because their backs aren't against the wall as much. But it's only 60 days. That yeah, but then it's look either way, it's going to be appealed to the Supreme yeah. Court then as a substantive matter. So it's it's more than 60 days. I think if the debate gets pushed into the summer, it'll just slide past the election. This is about whether the deadline lands far enough before the election that somebody has to do something. I I don't think it it will. I don't Again, like gun control, a majority of the country overwhelmingly supports um, protecting the dreamers. But not a majority of Congress. That's the problem. Not a majority of Congress. And I'm not, not sure that's president. right. Not the president. Oh, he does. He does not. Uh, he does not. With he, he did. There was whatever that day was when Durbin and Graham made a deal with him. But he came back with chain migration and the wall and yeah because there are there's a like because there is a political backdrop against which this issue is being dealt with and considered and thought about and people feel really strongly about the associated issues from a political perspective from a from a cultural perspective but this issue they don't feel strongly about and there's absolutely the legislative will to, to deal with it it's all the other stuff. It's the wall. Right. It's how you deal with illegal immigration as a broader matter. That's the but, stuff that gets people's passions up, not yeah, this. All I'm, I think we may even be saying the same thing here, but not surprisingly, it's sounding very different. Good. I like that. Because one party is prepared to address the dreamers inside their own four corners, and the other party is not. The other party may be prepared to do some things for the dreamers, but only if all of these other issues are attached and decided in their favor, and that's different. That's different, and that's why nothing happened. If the Republicans wanted to extend the dreamer program... Nothing happened because the Democrats backed down. They ended the government shutdown. The Democrats because they decided that it wasn't politically palatable to shut down the government over the Dreamers. That's what they did. The government shut down over DACA, and the Democrats backed down. The Democrats, the Democrats actually made the decision to back away from the issue. Now, I don't think it was a bad decision because you've got the cover of a judicial decision postponing the expiration of the program. But, Mark, the Democrats backed away from it. So before you give your party too much credit... Democrats have never backed away from their commitment and their willingness to fix DACA within its four corners. They backed away from a tactic to force that vote... Because it wasn't forcing the vote. Because they realized it was going to cost Joe Donnelly his seat. 
And are, John Tester are the Republicans is the, prepared to vote on DACA and DACA alone? On DACA alone, probably not. But on DACA and border well, security, maybe, okay. yeah. So how can you tell me there's a commitment to fix DACA? The Democrats shut down the government and then... How can you tell me there is a commitment on the part I of think the there's a commitment. I think there is a com- there's a willingness on the part of the Republican Party to fix DACA if it gets three other things at once. Mark, it, it, nothing happens Nothing happens in a vacuum. Well, you just told me gun control would. You just told no. me gun control. What's tied to gun control? Does he have to have the wall to do gun control? No. You just told me the president and the Republicans are going to do gun control. They're not going to tie it They're, to the wall, which isn't a wall anyway. They're not going to tie it to the family well, migration think, program that brought Melania Trump's parents to the United <laughs> States. And they're not going to tie it to the lottery, the, the immigration lottery. So Gun when Republicans and the president want to well, do obviously, something, they can just go do obviously, it. Obviously, no, you know it's not that simple. And obviously... Um, you're going to have to have a coalition of Republicans and Democrats to get gun control done, too. It's the same thing. But not attaching conditions. Everything's, Mark, everything has conditions. You Come tell on. me what the president's preconditions are for doing enhanced background checks. Not doing something? I, I, I don't... I, that's not the way the debate is being done. Of course, and they're going to make compromises. They're going to make compromises on the program itself. Yeah. But they're not going to hold it hostage well, to getting the wall. Market. Let, me, let me interject because yeah. you're right. I mean, you're, you're, you're and back to your corners for just a second. <laughs> I'll turn you loose. But, but, um, <laughs> but it's outstanding. Uh, makes my job very easy. Um, but but in all seriousness, I mean, there you know we coin it what you will, poison yeah. pill, anything else. I and mean, there's always a way to do something, and we see this all the time. It's what it's sort of what breeds the cynicism in politics, the disdain for Congress, the frustration of both parties for things not getting done. And you know, I will go back to to the point that we raised earlier about presidential leadership. I do think Trump's in a bit of. I think he's in more of a unique position than past presidents because. I do think that the I think the GOP, the GOP generally is capitulated to him. I especially think that the Speaker has and, and the House has, where things you can get you can find a bipartisan solution in the Senate for some stuff. What you know is is that it goes to the House and it dies it dies its death. And to the extent that the President were to say, and perhaps this is the this is the point. Look, we're not gonna we're not gonna play the game on certain issues. Enhanced background checks. Here's the bill I want. Straight up, let's vote for it and be done and 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 move on to something else. If if the next thing needs to be more complicated, that's the next thing. Um, the wall has always been full of political potency, even though for whatever reason. But as we know, as members have told us in varying different conversations, the wall was on the table. It was on the table from a funding perspective if if the Republicans were willing to deal with dreamers plus dreamers' parents. And if those were the two issues, then perhaps a deal would have gotten done, but they couldn't deal with the parents. And so, but the Democrats were willing to deal on money. John Kelly and Stephen Miller 
couldn't deal with the well, parents. Well, right, Tom Cotton couldn't deal Tom with Cotton. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. guy Tom Cotton. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so you so, wanted to send him to the Senate. Yeah, boy. <laughs> I was living in Philadelphia, so what do you what do you want me to tell you? Um, yeah, no, Mark Pryor. Oh, Mark Pryor, a, right. right. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think I, I do think at That's some point for that 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 the, either Trump can you know sort of do his Trump things, which is he talks about something and people get riled up, but then a deal never really happens. Or he could actually say, look, I, this is what I want. I think the speaker would give it to him. And you could get it done. You could certainly get that get that through the Senate. We're just we just haven't seen that direct kind of leadership from Trump when it comes to you know very specific things. And I think if he's right that he is actually a dealer, then of course you said this from the very beginning. Yeah. There are deals to be made. He just hadn't figured out how to. Work well, he that. tweets his way out of deals. Right. And the question is whether he starts to get. Um, wiser about the environment he's now working in, which is not Trump Tower in Manhattan doing real estate deals or brand deals. It's, it's just, he's got to actually... Well, it was funny. I was listening. This was, is Pivot 87? 187? <laughs> no, 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 I'm actually going to I'm actually, provide a little context because I think, I think it's interestingly <laughs> yeah. enough, I'm sure all of you tuned in the President's press conference with with the, the Prime Minister of Australia. I see the Prime Minister. Right. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, right. right. So I was listening. I was, it was a long car ride this was on, so I was listening listening to, to Trump talk about all sorts of things. And and one of the things that he that he said that actually was illuminating, he said, look, you know, the way they were talking about trades, look, the way that, the way that you do deals is really you just, you know, you, you kind of get to a point where you, if you think you have a good deal but it's not a perfect deal, then you just tell the guy no, and then he immediately comes running back and says, Let's do a deal. And so in some ways, he's conditioned. You know, we saw this notion, you know, this week of Trump kind of being the 1950s president, this note, this idea of I'm the American dream because I build stuff and people want to build. They want to create in that way. They want to they want to build, build, build. And, and I wonder if his own if his own. You know, life experience is working against him here. And, and, and what I mean by that is not not a deficiency of of intelligence, although Mark, I know you're going to have something to say about that, but rather just just the, the deficiency of doing things a certain right, way right. for so long. Right. He's a that, developer. That 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 you don't. It's hard to recount. I mean, teach an old dog new tricks. Use whatever cliche you want to use. Yeah. But but I wonder if some of that is just working against him here, because he just doesn't. He thinks. Okay, if I play this a certain way, here's what right. is supposed to happen. Right. But the ways of Washington are unlike any place else right. in the world. No, I think so. that I think you are absolutely right. And no, it's not pivot 186 or whatever the number would be now, because he's not changing. I mean, he's not changing. Right. His his tweeting habits are intentional. <laughs> they are very intentional. They're not accidental. And. All day, every day, people buy the head fake that they are intended to cause. Well, the Democrats, most especially. The Democrats buy the head fake all day, every day, and they take the bait. The problem is it's not translating into policy. The problem is exactly what you're saying, Blake, that because that the intentional distractions are actually taking away from his ability to reach a final deal 
from a legislative point of view and actually impact policy. They're not, they're very positive, by the way, in ways that people don't see, that we see every day as we're out and about around town. There's a, I'll tell you, there is a cultural, within the administration, I guess culture is our big word today, but in the in the agencies, and I've said something along these lines before, but the culture in this administration, which is a real positive from my experience having worked in a, a bunch of these agencies, is um, that I think they have an open door. They're more thoughtful. They're less beholden to the bureaucracy. There are some real positives, and I don't think it's some grand messaging taking place across the administration. I just think I think there are some good things happening below the radar that we see as we're out and about around town on behalf of clients. But Blake, to your point, absolutely. He, he distracts from his own agenda from, at least from a legislative point of view. And this is where, the, this is why these stories about chaos in the white house, sorry, Mark, I didn't mean to cut you off, no. but this is why these stories about chaos in the white house actually have policy relevance. They do. They do. That's what I wanted to right. say. I yeah. want to say two things about what you said and agree in part but only in part with Howard. <laughs> I still haven't written anything down yet. You're going on vacation but, in two but days. But I want to say... More generous than you might otherwise. I'm going to be as generous to Howard <laughs> and Donald Trump as I can be. Donald Trump is a genius at self-promotion. He is one of the greatest self-promoters in the history of the country on a par with P.T. Barnum and other great circus acts that the country is... The greatest showman. A good movie. Time. The greatest showman. <laughs> Unfortunately, what he is a genius at is worth almost nothing in terms of getting things done here in Washington. So everything you said about his whole life history is at succeeding in a different place in a different game, and it just doesn't translate. And that's what makes the record of very poor appointments to very senior positions so important. I mean, because imagine... Uh, he's, got, he's a guy who needs more help than anybody in recent times, at least. But, but let me... Let me and, and he doesn't get it. I mean, let's, and let's provide some some, some context in, in relation to history. I'll let y'all debate about the staff stuff, because I do yeah. think that's interesting. But if you, if, if you imagine what, what Trump, with if you balance that greatest showman... If he had, if he had in his first six, eight months, been able to figure out the legislative acumen, I mean, and, and been able to figure out the horse trading and the real negotiating and how to do it all, you could imagine this starting to take a very different shape and form. I'm not even remotely prepared to compare him to a different past president, but those characteristics were the characteristics right. of Lyndon Johnson. They were the characteristics of people who, who liked the big picture and then loved Right, the fight, and Trump loves that. He loves the fight. I mean, he, he's said that many, many, many times. But, but he hasn't been successful. Mark's pointing to this notion of, of staff and other things, which it's hard to do it. It's, it's not hard. It's impossible. You, 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 there is a reason why staff matters so much. And watching our, remember senior staff in Washington. I mean, it's, you know firsthand. So I, I do think we ought to talk about that. I teed up the chaos in the White House. That really hadn't calmed down the security no. clearance issues and all this other stuff. It just is one more distraction. It's, huge, it's a huge political distraction. It's not a distraction for the people working in the Department of the Interior or in 
you know, the Department of the Navy. It's not a distraction for them, and there are some good people at that level, and they're doing their jobs, and they don't give a hoot about what's happening in well, the chaos. I mean, it, that, that's a little bit of an overstatement, I guess. But they, it doesn't impact dealing well, we were with... talking about legislation. Right. No, legislatively, it's a huge distraction. Yeah. Politically, it's a distraction, Mark. It's yeah. Even yeah. For, the, for the Democrats, everybody's buying the head fake is what's going on. Well, legislatively, on the Hill, the Republicans are buying the head... There's Trump head fakes all day long. The Democrats, the Priorities USA, put out a memo last week telling Democrats, stop focusing on Trump's tweets, focus on the economy and health care. That's what's going to get us elected in the fall. You forgot to say our client, Priorities Sorry, sorry, USA, sorry. Put out a... Your client, um, Priorities USA. Proud to have them. Um, as am I. But the, um, that's the... The point right. is, I agree. for everybody, it's a distraction. Yeah. The Democrats are buying the head fake. The Republicans are buying the head fake. It doesn't really sync up with business, with business as usual, Blake, which is, I think, what you're saying. And, it, and it's got everybody off balance, including him. And it has no, there's no happy ending. It just no pivot. The chaos in the White House, if possible, has gotten worse. No, with this, <laughs> there is no secretary uh, to the president, whatever else uh, you want to say about Rob Porter, and there's yeah. much extremely damn awful to say. Uh, he, he apparently was good at that job. Now there's nobody. Oh, <laughs> big deal. Nobody. I mean, the guy needed to be kicked out of there. Well, of He's out. I, Big deal that there's no staff secretary. Big deal. That's not the issue. Just one Mark, that is not the issue. No. Well, me, one more empty uh, office please. in there. You have the, the only thing I'd say, sorry, not to not to interject, and this is going to be a little inside baseball for everybody but on the call, but I, I, I would encourage you to just kind of study it. So Trump's trade, one of Trump's biggest trade advocates on the campaign was Peter Navarro, who was a professor um, at UC Irvine, who went into the administration. He, his, and this is, this is all facts, certainly he's advocated for, for very unique trade policies, which Gary Cohn and other members of, of Trump's economic team do not agree with, some of which many, many people have said would lead to not only, glo not only recessions with China and Mexico, but a global recession, particularly this notion of tariffs, which is, Navarro's a big proponent of all that. Um, really didn't have was kind of sidelined in the White House once he got in, uh, due in large part to Rob Porter, who um, managed to orchestrate trade meetings and economic meetings, um, and that sidelined Navarro a bit. There's a story in the New York Times over the weekend with Rob Porter out, Navarro's back in, which is going to recast a different, a, a different light on the trade debate. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Not to make too much hay of it, but it is a practical yeah, personnel is policy. Yeah, is, uh, I was just about to, to use your own word yes, and throw throw them back out. But that, I, I respect that's that's a little inside baseball, and, and and people people you know might not care. But just food for thought, and and it's starting to pick up some national steam. We, we are getting to your time. I want to pivot. I want to touch on. I want to kind of touch on some other issues related to the midterms. Um, and, and the first is gerrymandering, um, which we've seen. Lots of development in Pennsylvania, Mark. Um, 
first of all, what do you what do you make of of the status of 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 the of the new Pennsylvania map and 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 will every Supreme Court justice be impeached as as a result? Uh, federal or, or state? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Different answer uh, for me. Well, just very very briefly for those among our listeners who may not be studying this with quite the same zeal, Blake, that at least you and I are living there. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court has drawn a new map for the congressional districts for the 2018 midterm election. The Republican legislature has gone to all sorts of courts, directly to the Supreme Court, to the federal district court, and back into the state court to try to stay the implementation of that map on all sorts of grounds. And so far, the map stands. The Supreme Court hasn't touched it. The state courts have said no. And the federal court, the federal district court, a three-judge panel, has said, we don't see any reason why we have to stop this today. We want everybody to come back on March 5th or 6th, sometime in a week. And we'll hear argument, and then we'll decide. It, it it looks, as of today, the map is the map. It looks like it may remain the map. And it's very consequential if it does, because uh, some would say, I'm among them, that it is a fair map. Some would say it's just a democratic gerrymander. But whatever side you're on, everybody agrees it will result in more Democrats being elected to Congress. And that in an election where 24 seats turning from red to blue will change control in the House, that map is a big deal for Democrats. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got a special coming up in Pennsylvania. We've, we've <laughs> been following specials all all, uh, all along here. Pennsylvania 18, um, just a lot going on and a lot going on in PA. Um, a seat that Trump won plus 20 give or take, I think that's right. Um, and the Democrat and the Republican are neck and neck. Um, uh, and uh, Howard, what do you, any any thoughts about the, the optics of that special? I mean, it's, it's obviously one to watch and very significant to have a Democrat running neck and neck in a Trump plus 20 district. And, and it, it, it's, um, to me, fitting that all this is taking place in Pennsylvania since he won Pennsylvania by 0.7%. Um, so maybe, I don't know. Maybe, but not that district by 0.7%. No, no, 20 plus, Trump plus 20 in that district, and Connor Lamb is hanging, hanging tough. And I think watch it because it pretends a lot as far as... I think it, Connor Lamb winning that seat uh, is two things. First of all, it's a big deal for Democrats to pick up a seat in a Trump plus 20 district. But it's also, number two, temporary, because the new yeah. cat takes that district and splits it in two, and Saccone, yeah. the Republican, lives in one half of it, and Connor lives in the other half. So who knows what it would mean in January in terms of, of red to blue seats. But it would be a canary in the coal mine. Do, do you think anybody cares if Lamb loses, but loses really close, closely? 
Yeah, I think the Republicans care. As long as he loses, the uh, margin is in the... Do the Democrats... Not looking for Pyrrhic victories. Right. Not looking... No. Because in November, you you win or lose. Right. And Pyrrhic victories in 24 red districts in November are the same as getting shut out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Pennsylvania is interesting. We're starting to see we're starting to see things come uh, pictures getting a little less murky and in some states we're seeing some developments in Missouri on the Republican side which would suggest that that, that may be a, a better path for Senator McCaskill the the Democrat um Roy Moore has weighed in to that primary among among other interesting uh developments out there in Texas the the Democratic challenger to Ted Cruz has so far amassed more money um, than Cruz has, and Cruz has a pretty high disapproval rating um, in Texas, which is drawing some more attention um, down in Texas. And then out west in California, Howard, the uh, the um, the sitting uh, United States Senator Democrat Dianne Feinstein, um, not unsurprisingly, but even still, did not uh, did not secure the Democratic Party's endorsement um, uh, for for the Senate. What, what, what are we quickly... California is always such I mean, a fun state to talk about politically, and we don't get to talk about it all that it's, often. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It, it, forget about it being crazy. It's a bad sign for the Democrats that they are not endorsing a sitting United States senator who is very highly regarded and has reached stateswoman-like status um, for re-election, it's a bad sign for for the fall. The messaging is off. The politics, it's it's a bad sign for Senator Feinstein. I'll, I'll give you that. It, that seat will be won by a Democrat in November. Period. 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 You're right. Period. You're right. It's but not good that but Mark, we fight among ourselves. But the seat's not it. But right. Mark, what about Indiana? What about North Dakota? I'm not. I don't think Senator Feinstein's running in either of those places. Last time I checked, she's not. But in North Dakota, Senator Heitkamp, Heidi Heitkamp, got a serious opponent. You have who had earlier opted out. He's now come back in. You have a fight for the soul and the direction and the message of the Democratic Party. You have Trump out there every day shooting himself in the foot. You have. He, other than the economy, everything going in your favor, and you're fighting amongst yourselves, which is exactly what Republicans have done time and time again, and shot themselves in the foot in various races around the country and put bad candidates forward. And yes, a Democrat is going to win in California, but the Democrats, Democrats fighting are off message. Between, well, the, I can't find a message anywhere, so I agree with you there. I'm simply saying that it matters a lot when Democrats fight among themselves in a primary where the general election is competitive. It matters a lot whether the Democratic Party is Bernie Sanders' party or Joe Donnelly's party. But that's not what's going on. It matters a lot. It is what's going on in California. No, it's not. 
It is a, a Latino candidate against an 80-something-year-old uh, woman. It's north and south. She's San Francisco. He's Los Angeles. All He's more progressive than she is. But that isn't what's driving it. What's driving it is north versus south and Latino ascendancy. And I just think you're making too much of that. But it does definitely matter that the party has nothing to say, which is something else that you said. And that in, in Indiana and... In, a number of closer races is going to make a is going to make a difference. Stop talking about the president's tweets. Start talking about the economy and healthcare. Oh, that's what talking about the party or me. That's what not you. I don't that's read, what priorities I read USA retweets of the tweets. I don't read the tweets. <laughs> that's what priorities USA has said is yes, stop buying the head fake. Stop buying the head fake. Couldn't agree more. And and unify and there's there is a lack of if if you have if you don't have a lack of if you have a lack of unity you lack message the democratic party however 250 days from the november election more than a year into donald trump being president of the united states where he gives democrats each and every day an opportunity to assume <laughs> um yeah i i agree you, they lack unity and lack message well we have tremendous candidates at the local level. They may not be messaging yeah. the DNC playbook, but I think the quality of congressional candidates in 2018 is no, far higher than in it is. cycles. And the the and their messaging stinks, but their messaging is is local. They are talking about things that are going on. This is what what we saw in Virginia in the state legislative elections where people knew and liked the candidates and heard what they were saying about stuff that mattered locally. But I'm all I'm all for a better uh, message. We we are what Will Rogers said. Will Rogers said uh I'm not a member of any organized political party. I'm a Democrat. And unfortunately, that's still funny and true, what is it, probably 80 years later. But but here we are, 250 days from the most important election in our lifetimes. I'm the most important doing election in our lifetime <laughs> this year. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, that was sarcastic. But um, it is an important election. It is a highly consequential election for the country. And there's no there's no clear message. Let me weigh in because I I think one thing that that it's it's easy to get distracted by is and I'll, I'll offer this as a thesis for our next call. Um, this will be my William Buckley resolved moment of firing line, and then you can debate it on the next call, which is. If the message is national, the Republicans have something to run on. They can run on tax cuts. They can run on deregulation. They can even run on ISIS not, I mean, pushing back on, on ISIS are three big issues that, that they could run on, they can run on nationally if this is a nationalized election, which is the trap I think Trump is setting and the Republicans are setting by Democrats trying to make everything about Trump again. It's, you know, do we ever learn the lessons of the past? Where I think the Republicans are in real trouble is that at 
a local level mm -hmm. where you have candidates that are very familiar to the electorate who are happy to step even outside the bounds of their own party, as Joe Donnelly and Joe Manchin, Heidi Heidkamp do, which people respect, but are also willing to... Connor to, Lamb yeah, say Connor Lamb, that he absolutely. won't support Nancy Pelosi. Right. I mean, they're speakers. So my, I, I'll be interested to see, and again, I throw this out as sort of a resolve. If, if the election is nationalized, the Republicans have a strong platform to run on, in, and Democrats have proven that in nationalized elections, we divert back to this being about Trump. Healthcare, although I think is the is the outlier issue, uh, but food for you guys to think about. Speaking yes. of that, before we go, because we 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 do actually have have business here at Cozen O'Connor. We like to help people out with, and um, you know, as much as our Why punditry is is uh, is enjoyed by all, um, we did the the firm did publish a paper. Howard, you and your our colleague Rob Freeman put a paper out um, last week. Was it last week? Yep. Um, on infrastructure, um, would love to get that out to everybody on the call. I think it, it provides great insights. But why don't you talk a little bit about because infrastructure is kind of it pops, it kind of rears its head, and then it goes away, and then it comes yeah. back, and, and it goes away. We talked a little bit on the last call, but why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about the paper and, and sure. The well, the president's released uh, the administration's plan for infrastructure, which lacks two very important things. Apropos of this conversation, it. It's not accompanied by legislation, so it is literally just a plan. And most importantly, it doesn't include a way to pay for it. It's about $200 billion in federal spending contemplated by the plan, but it doesn't include a, a way to pay for it. The way to pay for it that most um, that is most being talked about is through an increase in the gas tax, which has got huge political implications. But... Uh, to say the least. Um, but in the coming weeks, in fact, this week, we're going to start to see hearings on Capitol Hill um, and legislation coming from, from Congress. And yes, there's going to be a lot of legislative activity around infrastructure between now and the end of the year. It is possible that some things will get done, but not everything will get done. It's possible nothing will get done. I don't think that the president's plan as it exists is going to find its way um, as a whole into law, but there, there's a very interesting debate that's going to take place around the crumbling United States infrastructure in, in the coming weeks and months, and everybody should stay tuned. Yeah, well, and definitely something to, to, to be on the lookout for, so we can, we can certainly circulate that. As always, um, guys, it's been, it's been fun, very spirited discussion today, which... Because Mark's going uh, on vacation. Yeah, today. Mark's... Mark, uh, our next call should should be from from the uh, the all important state of Hawaii, Six but uh, but uh, but it's a different time anyway. Um, comments, questions, criticisms of the moderator always welcome. Presidential analysis at Cozen.com. Uh, Mark Howard, thank you very much. Thanks, Blake, thank thanks you. for being with us, thanks, and everyone, thanks for listening. We appreciate thanks. it. Good job, Blake. Ladies and gentlemen, that does conclude the call for today. We thank you for your participation and ask that you please disconnect your lines.